Welcome into the Most Accurate Podcast, episode number 11. Alongside me is John Paulson, the 444 senior editor, senior editor for 444.com, I should say. I'm Anthony Stoltz. Appreciate you joining us. We're drawing ever so close to the start of the new season. John, how are we doing today? I'm doing good, Anthony. How are you doing? Did you make it through the uh, the eclipse? Uh, I'm not blind. I'm good. I did not look up. And um, it was actually pretty eerie. We were My show is on... One to three central time, and and the totality. We were in the path of totality, and and it actually was completely dark when we we're on air. And I looked outside because we have all windows alongside our, our studio. I looked outside, and we were right offside a, a very busy road. There were zero cars on the road when it got dark. Zero. It was the it was the most eerie thing I've I've seen in a while. But it also kind of cool. Yeah, everybody probably pulled over to to look at it, or was somewhere planning to look at it, and. Right. You know, here in Southern California, we had like a partial and I had uh, my son Max here and we had some homemade cereal boxes that we had turned into uh, little things that we could view with pinhole. We could view that didn't really work very well. So we were ended up watching it on television. So that's just that's pretty much the story of my life. I was <laughs> I was wondering <laughs> about those cereal boxes because you see them on Facebook like, all right, we're all yeah. set for the eclipse. I'm like, OK, yeah, yeah. didn't work. Yeah. Oh, well, uh, tell us about the music that brought us in today. Uh, yeah, this is a band called The Record Company, and uh, it's a 2017 single, Baby, I'm Broken. And I just added it to the Most Accurate Podcast playlist on Spotify, and I noticed that The Record Company is our first three-time appearance uh, on the on the, on the the podcast. So uh, we've had uh, Off the Ground, a track by them off of Give It Back to You, the album, uh, and on the move, which is on the same same album, give it back to you. So this is their third entry into the into the uh, playlist. So we mu- we must like them, Anthony. That's that's what I'm. We should give I'm them a free T-shirt. Yeah, we should. We'll send them a T-shirt. They'll be like, Great "What idea. the what the hell is four for four dot com?" Exactly. And then the other one of the band members will be like, "Oh, it's only the greatest fantasy football website known to man." And uh, I didn't want to tell you about it. I didn't want to tell you about it because I didn't want you to win. Exactly. Uh, let's talk. Let's talk about Odell Beckham. He, according to ESPN.com, he may miss a week or two of the regular season after taking a helmet to the uh, ankle slash knee area on Monday night in Cleveland. He walked off the field. He limped off the field. He got down to the tunnel and he went down to to a knee. It looked serious at the time. X-rays came back. And uh, they were negative, but then an, an MRI confirmed that he does have a sprained ankle. I guess my question here, John, is you don't adjust your draft strategy with Odell Beckham, right? Even if he does miss week one? Uh, I, I reduced his projections by a game, and um, that put him pretty much neck and neck with A.J. Green in PPR format. Still ahead of A.J. in uh, standard leagues. Uh, you know, Going into the season, if you're looking at those two players, AJ Green has you know missed more time recently with with injury, so he's still sort of an injury 
risk when it comes to the pretty dependable receiver position. Uh, I wouldn't really downgrade Beckham, uh, you know, in the first round too much based on this. I mean, my, somebody called me Dr. Paulson today on Twitter because I said that I don't think that the injury is too serious. And, and then he went on to say that uh, this person on Twitter went on to say that uh, my, you know, my opinion is not as valuable as a, his medical doctor. And I never said that it was as valuable as a medical doctor. I I mean, of course, jeez. Uh, that's Twitter for you. So I was just like, okay, uh, thank, thank you. Uh, thanks Kyle out there, Kyle, wherever you are, if you listen, thank you for that. Um, my, the way I read this is he went to the locker room. He came out in street clothes. He didn't have a, uh, a foot, uh, an air cast on it. He wasn't on crutches as far as I found, you know, read or anything like that. I didn't see the, didn't see the game, but, um, so if he doesn't have any of that, gear on, then I don't think that it's a high ankle sprain. And, um, the, it, the fact that he might miss a, a game or two based on the sources within the giants that these reporters have, that makes sense. That's in line with a regular low, low grade sprain in my, uh, professional, uh, medical opinion. Um, so I think, uh, you know, he might, if, if things go really well, he'll, he'll, should be able to play week one. He might be iffy that week, but he's got, uh, you know, 18 days, I think until his game. And, uh, that's, that's a good bit of time to get the ankle healthy. He may not be a hundred percent, uh, week one, but, uh, I think he should be able to play. If he can't play, uh, Sterling Shepard is a pretty cheap, uh, backup plan right now. So if you grab, uh, Odell Beckham, uh, in the first round, you might want to pick up Sterling Shepard wherever he's going. Um, and, uh, you have a backup plan in case, uh, Beckham can't play. You also obviously have other receivers on your roster that you, you might be able to, uh, to use as well. Boy, the Giants better hope he doesn't miss much time, if at all, with that offensive line, with Eric Flowers reportedly struggling big time at left tackle, with a lack of a running game, and Eli coming off a bad season. I mean, that the defense is really good in New York, but man, if Odell Beckham Jr. misses misses some time, that that offense could could really struggle uh, in New York. Let's move on. We'll talk about Deshaun Kaiser. He's the rookie quarterback from Notre Dame, and he's going to draw a start in the third preseason game for the Browns. I believe they play on Saturday, and they're on the road. Um, preseason game number three is often a dress rehearsal for NFL teams. What do you think of this news with Deshaun Kaiser starting potentially earning a a week one spot. Well, maybe you can speak a little bit to, you know, how he was in college. Uh, looks sure. like he is going to, I'll just read off his preseason stats right now. He's 19 for 31, uh, 61% uh, completion, um, 258 yards. Uh, looks like it's uh, 8.3 yards per attempt. Uh, he's thrown one touchdown, no interceptions. Uh, that's all pretty good. His quarterback rating looks good in the preseason. I mean, looking at, Preseason stats is a little bit dicey, but this is what we have to work off of as well as the college stuff. Why don't you talk a little bit about Kaiser in college? I talked to, uh, so I'll give you, I'll first give you my, I'm not a scout, but, you know, evaluating quarterbacks, evaluating at Notre Dame. I thought that there were times where he did a tremendous job of, of reading the entire field. And that's always something you want to look at in college. How much was a quarterback asked to do within a playbook? 
you know, with Patrick Mahomes at Texas Tech, that was that was in the air raid system. He's basically playing seven on seven. You know, so he's he's just whipping the ball around the field, throwing its open receivers. Kaiser did have some moments where he had to scan, hold on to the ball, read the field, and then make plays that way, make make his progressions. So I thought that was that was key. But then there were other moments where opponents really rattled him. His footwork was awful. Um, you know, his mechanics would be all over the place. He looked like two different quarterbacks within the, within the same game. So I, I, I wonder about him making a, a smooth transition to the NFL when defenses are really going to try to confuse him and the talent level obviously jumps up dramatically. However, I talked to a scout leading up to the draft and I said, out of all the quarterbacks in this year's draft, who would you take? And he, he said Deshaun Kaiser. He said based on his size, 6'4", 230, his arm strength, the talent level, the fact that he played at Notre Dame under Brian Kelly and was able to go through the progressions like I was talking about before, he said he would go with Deshaun Kaiser. So two, two different opinions there. Take it for what it's worth. Uh, I'm not shocked that he's going to draw the starting job in Cleveland with both Cody Kessler and Brock Osweiler in competition there, John. But I don't know if he's going to come in and do what Dak Prescott did a year ago. Yeah, he's, you know, hasn't fallen on his face in the preseason. He's done pretty well. So that, that's what's kind of, I think that the plan was when they drafted him, he'd be the quarterback of the future. And if, you know, if Cody Kessler could hold him off for a year because he was playing so well, that that would be a good option. Um, but uh, just get ready for Kyle to tweet at you and say that you're not a professional scout and your opinion is not uh, worth as much. As his, I just was looking at his college stats because the challenge for me when projecting a rookie quarterback is to, you know, first of all, try to get his completion percentage, uh, yards per attempt, that kind of stuff. But I was also with, with him, I'm also looking at his rushing attempts to see how much he'll, he'll, he'll run. Maybe you could speak to his legs a little bit, but, uh, as a junior, 135 attempts for 525 yards, uh, as a senior, 129 attempts, 472 yards. He rushed for 18 touchdowns. Uh, in those two years. And that sort of compares uh, the 135 attempts that uh, Marcus Mariota had. He had a lot of, a lot more yardage, 770 rushing yards. Um, but in terms of how much he uh, is going to run, that might be a sort of a, an indicator, uh, maybe what Mariota has done. And Mariota has run a little bit, but not a ton in, uh, in, in, in pros, but uh, he, he does add uh, a couple three points uh, every game with his legs. So that's something you can sort of add to the, uh, mix with with Kaiser and he's got uh Kenny Britt, Corey Coleman, um David Njoku and uh Duke Johnson uh, as the primary passing weapons I think there and uh that could turn into uh he could turn into a QB2 streaming type. I'm not running out to dra- to draft him, but uh there's a little bit of upside here if you if you if you squint. Yeah, he's a good athlete. He's a good athlete in the sense that, you know, like Alex Smith is a good athlete. And I think Alex Smith is a guy that doesn't you look at Alex Smith, you know, and, and the first word that comes to mind, oh, he's, he's conservative. But Andy Reid has built in packages for Alex Smith, uh, and he runs the Reid option too at times. So I think Deshaun Kaiser, if Hugh Jackson does the same thing with him, I think they would they would have success with him in that that capacity. And the other thing in the college the college stats is that they, I think they still include sack yardage and rushing yards. Yes, so do. it's it's really wackadoodle. Like I don't know why they do that, but. Um, so, you know, they're showing that he averaged 3.7 yards per carry. I just don't, you know, that doesn't, that's not real. So <laughs> doesn't hold up. Absolutely. Right. Let's, let's give listeners an update on Danny Woodhead. He's been sidelined at practice this week with a hamstring injury. Beat writer Jeff Zerbiak wonders whether, um, Woodhead is going to miss the remainder of the preseason. 
Woodhead is a monster in PPR, John. You look at uh, Baltimore's running back situation with Kenneth Dixon out for the season. They still have Terrence West there. I know you've you've loved Danny Woodhead for a while. What does this injury do for your preseason rankings? Well, you know, he missed all last year with an injury or pretty much all last year after tearing it up uh, early in the season and uh, giving a taste of what could have been. Um, so, I, you know, a hamstring injury with a new team is a little bit worrisome, but I think his role is safe. You know, Kenneth Dixon is not uh, around anymore, and uh, Terrence West is not really the, the pass-catching back, although he's okay in, in that area of the game. I think I'm most concerned about uh, Woodhead just being healthy for week one. Joe Flacco uh, with his back being healthy for week one. So this is like a competent uh, offense because if it's Ryan Mallett under center, then you know there's some concern early in the year with with Woodhead if you're planning on starting him. Now, if he's your third back in PPR, then I would worry a lot less about uh, about this injury because I think things should be sorted out before you really uh, absolutely need to use him. Speaking of injuries to running backs, Mike Gillisley did return to full, full practice yesterday. He's been dealing with a hamstring injury. It's kept him out the last two weeks, but it looks like he's ready to go. Now, England, New England's backfield is crowd, very crowded. You also have Rex Burkhead, who uh, John apparently missed practice Wednesday, uh, today, Wednesday, but there was no reason given. What's your draft strategy when it comes to New, Eng- New England's backfield? Well, the last couple of weeks, it's been interesting because, you know, Gillisley was going fifth, sixth round until the hamstring injury. He impressed, you know, he was in camp the one or two days and then impressed in that stretch. He was given the goal line duties. It looked like he was running ahead of Burkhead um, and did well. And then all of a sudden he was injured for a couple weeks and Burkhead started to trend up. He had the good preseason game and, you know, they have a very talented backfield. All four of these guys conceivably could lead the team, uh, the backfield in fantasy points and PPR, especially if you want to talk about James White and Deion Lewis, uh, if things break their way, if they, it's just all about opportunity for these guys. Uh, and now you have Burkhead. Uh, so everybody started sort of, you know, Burkhead's ADP starts to climb out of the 13th, 14th round. Now we're getting into where you start thinking about him in the 10th or 11th. And now he's absent on Wednesday. We don't know uh, what that's about. And Gillisley is actually the one playing. So are things going to start moving the opposite direction? I don't know. I think in best ball, I like to grab both, uh, if possible, because I don't have to worry about who I'm starting. I think even in redraft, you could do that. You might have some weeks where, uh, you get frustrated because the game plan that week called for Burkhead or if they, if they view Burkhead and Gillisley as one, one A and one B and, they're both going to be involved every game, then it's going to be a frustrating situation. But typically uh, what they do in New England is that somebody's the lead back and somebody's the passing down back. And then there might be somebody else being sprinkled in. But, uh, you know, I would think that they're going to fill those roles that way, but the talent levels significantly better with Burkhead as your, as your backup uh, first, second down back. So um, they're not so expensive that you can't get both if, Gillisley slipping into the sixth, seventh round now, uh, with Burkhead kind of surging into the tenth, eleventh. You could grab both, and it's not it's not too much of a cost. From one convoluted backfield situation to another, let's go up to Seattle, where CJ Proceis is shocker hurt again. He suffered a strained groin in pregame warmups ahead of the second preseason game for the Seahawks. He's missed the past two practices for the Seahawks as well. And when you go back to 2016, John, 
He hurt his hamstring in training camp. He broke his hand in week one. Uh, he had a big, big game against the Patriots on a Sunday night in front of a national TV audience, and then he broke his shoulder the following week. C.J. Procise, the talent is there, and I'm very intrigued by him as a pass catcher because he's a former wide receiver. But if he can't stay healthy, uh, it looks like T- uh, Thomas Rawls is still the, the back to own in Seattle, right? Yeah, it appears so. I mean, Rawls's uh, stock is rising. Lacey's is kind of uh, falling because of the pecking order there. Uh, Procise was kind of a shoe in for the third down back, passing down back role, but now that he's struggling with his own injury, that you know that's kind of up in the air. That Chris Carson is. Uh, Starting to trend up a little bit. He had six carries, 27 yards, a catch for 17 yards um, in a preseason game. And he's just, I mean, he's a seventh-round pick, so it's not like they were expecting big things from him, um, you know, as a rookie. Uh, but if, if ProSize can't go, they're going to have to find somebody that can catch passes. That's not really Eddie Lacy's strong suit, and it's not really Thomas Rawls' strong suit. So this is a role to sort of keep your eye on, although you know, you're looking at pretty deep – deep level PPR formats if you're, if you're counting on the Seahawks uh, third down back to, to start for you. Jordan Reed is practicing for the first time all summer. He had that toe injury. He was activated from the pup list over the weekend. You obviously love Jordan Reed's talent and to some degree the Washington offense, at least the passing game, rolls through Reed. Uh, I would think that He's, what, third behind Travis Kelsey and Rob Gronkowski in, for, in, in terms of tight ends. Um, but can you trust him, John? Can you trust him to stay healthy? And what, what round are you targeting Jordan Reed in? Yeah, his ADP is actually fourth. He's one pick behind Greg Olson, who is Mr. Dependable. So you've got sure. the, the more productive Reed. I mean, if you look at their per-game splits, it's not real close. Jordan Reed is a much better PPR tight end than Greg Olson. But Greg Olson still really good um this is a it's, 50, it's pick 52 for olsen 53 uh 54 for for reed so you're talking about a um a fifth round pick and i don't mind him there uh now that he's back at practice i mean you know maybe everything goes fine but these, these injury prone guys that are already injured in preseason just scare me and <laughs> you know you're talking about i can get kelsey Wait, hold on. Are, you, are you giving medical advice again john i mean geez oh, stick, st- stay in your lane for once kyle's gonna be mad at me um <laughs> i i get a little worried about guys with a history of injury uh already struggling uh to get healthy by week one and it's nice to see him back at practice he might he might go i mean i did take him in the scott fishbowl in the second round because of the t- tight end premium it's like double premium 2.5 points per first down for tight ends um, and i'm trying to beat however many hundred uh, other teams in that 719 i think other teams in that contest and i figure i could roll the dice with reed if he has a 16 15 16 game season then it's worth it but if you're just you know in your home league you just got to beat 12 people or beat 11 other other owners um, i'm not sure that uh, the risk is worth it i think fifth round's fine i think he was going in the fourth round that's when i was passing on him because i would rather have kyle rudolph you know pick 79 uh zach Ertz 87 uh delani walker 91 martellus bennett 95 those ADPs are a lot more palatable. And I think, you know, even if you only, even if Reed plays really well for 12 games, I think I'd rather have Martellus Bennett for 16, uh, 15 or 16, uh, because he does have, uh, I wouldn't say similar upside, but, uh, you know, he's steady and he, he costs a lot less on draft day. 
Tight end is tough because if you want to roll the dice on Jordan Reed, when he's healthy, he's going to be great. But fifth or sixth round, like you noted, he's already banged up in, in uh, preseason. He's dealing with injuries, so that's a tough call. Greg Olson is outstanding just because of his his consistency. But you know, a lot of times in drafts, guys guys are reaching for him in a round or two too early. So I like that you mentioned Bennett. Um, you know, perhaps perhaps he's somebody that's going to fly under the radar, which you can't say that about a lot of the top tight ends, John. Yeah, I think I would kind of compare this to, you know, the, those girls in college. You know, the Jordan Reed is the kind of the crazy, uh, crazy hot girl that you can't really count on. Um, but when you, when she's around, she's a lot of fun. And then Greg, Greg Olson is the, uh, is the more dependable girlfriend, the cute, the cute girl who, uh, kind of pines for you. And, uh, you know, she's going to be there. Um, and you know, she's going to be there on a Saturday night when you want to go to a movie or whatever. That's, that's kind of the, the comparison I would make right now. All right, I'm going to write this. John Paulson, the ultimate playboy. Okay, got it. Wrote it down. Uh, before we get to John's draft strategery article, and that was my fake uh, George W. Bush strategery um, impersonation, let me tell you about draft. If you love fantasy football, then you need to try these new best ball leagues on our new favorite app, which is called Draft. It's a season-long league, just like you play with your friends, but with no management. Just set it, forget it. Once you're done drafting, that's it. Draft takes care of all the hard work for you. You don't even have to set your lineup. Your best score gets automatically selected every week. It's pretty cool. So you can draft the team anytime you want. Leagues start every couple of minutes, so you can join one right now. And the best part is there's no salary cap. You don't have to mess with that. And you can play for... Cold hard cash. Leagues start from just three dollars. They go on up. So there's a league for any everyone, whether you're you're a novice or you're an expert. Uh, three dollars on up. That's that's the league fees. It's easy to start playing draft today. All you have to do is go to playdraft.com backslash four for four. That's playdraft.com. The number four f o r and the number four, and you can join a game in minutes. All new players get a free entry in the best ball draft when you make your first deposit. But listen up, this is what you have to do. Use our promo code 4 for 4 That's right, play for real money just for using our promo code, the number 4, F-O-R, number 4. All right, John, take it away. What What's your draft strategery article about, and what are some of the elements that uh, listeners can find when they go check it out at 4for4.com? Yeah, if you haven't uh, ever read, it's it's my big opus, my Mr. Paulson's opus uh, for the fans football season. It's my longest article, just Every, every year this one was over 5,000 words so uh it, it's a lot to read you might want to settle in uh if you have a nice chair or uh get yourself a nice beverage to uh uh to drink while you uh while you read it um I kind of go over my draft plan for the year I do go into great detail uh at each position I start with quarterbacks and tight ends because I think if you if you can figure out who you want, your quarterback, or if you have a couple guys in mind, it's a little important in the draft. And then you have a couple guys in mind at tight end. Those are your two onesie positions. Then you can uh, figure out how to draft around those guys, how to draft your running backs and wide receivers uh, around those players. So I start with quarterback. I go off on a couple tangents about Tyrod Taylor, uh, top three quarterback, whether or not it's worth it to take Brady, Aaron Rodgers, or Drew Brees. Um, I talk about the tight end position. Um, and, several guys that I'd be okay with there, several guys I'm targeting. Uh, and then uh, I get into the running back position and how I'm viewing it this year being a little bit 
uh, you know, top heavy, um, you know, in terms of workload, we know that the guys that are going in the top eight to 10 are really going to see a lot. We, we know they're going to see a lot of work. We're not so sure about those guys going in the third round to the seventh round, eighth round. Um, and then sort of how to deal with it. And is there upside in the middle, enough upside in the middle round for you to go wide receiver early? And then I get into the wide receiver, um, uh, section as well. And then talk about, uh, the players that I'm targeting each round, um, I think this is one of those years. I think one of the reasons why it was a longer article than typical is uh, because this is a year where it's, you could really go with any draft plan. I think there are situations where wide receiver early makes sense. Uh, running back early makes sense because there's so much depth in the middle rounds in both, uh, in both positions. I think that uh, in, in the early rounds versus the second round uh, you're, you're trading, um, wide receiver dependability in terms of injuries uh you could you're choosing that or you're choosing running back dependability in in terms of workload if you get into the middle rounds now you have wide receivers like uh for example mike crabtree uh willie sneed emmanuel sanders pierre garçon these are my targets in ppr formats uh those guys are really stable there um but you're you, you also have the running backs that are in that same uh, in that same range. And so you're either going with the safe wide receivers early and the, the sketchy wide running backs in the middle or vice versa, the, the running backs with some question marks, but mostly, uh, mostly healthy, mostly getting, uh, lots of, uh, touches and, and workload in the early rounds and then getting those sort of unsexy PPR wide receivers like Sanders, Sneed, Crabtree, Garcon. Uh, in the middle rounds to fill out your receiving core. And I think you can go either way. You can also grab a quarterback uh, or a tight end early with Kelsey, Brady, Rogers, um, Breeze in the early rounds. It actually makes some sense uh, depending on who's available those rounds. So that was my rambling explanation. If you want more detail, check out Draft Day Strategery. I'm not going to try to do the George W. Bush uh, <laughs> impersonation, but that's that article's up on the, the main page on 444.com right now. Do you have fun writing it? Yeah, I mean it was it's a bear, uh, but I do it over a day and a half or so, and um, I come back to it a few times with fresh eyes and add some tangents, and uh, I might change some things as the next couple of weeks go on to try to update it for for things that happen. Um, but but yeah, it's it's a fun one to write. That's cool. Uh, all right, John. Speaking of your articles, let's move on. Let's talk about the QB sleepers, values, and targets piece that you did for four four dot com. Let's start off with and and as you and I talked about before the podcast, you wanted to highlight some players that maybe we haven't spent a lot of time talking on talking about. So let's discuss Matthew Stafford. You like him? Uh, he seems to be a guy, especially after what he did last year without Megatron. How efficient he was. I mean, he was. It was unbelievable to watch him just kind of run Jim Bob Cooter's offense and just be a machine about it instead of that reckless, I'm just going to throw the ball over the place because I got the arm strength. It was impressive to watch what Stafford did last season, and you like him uh, as a potential top-10 quarterback again. Yeah, and uh, I've talked about Mariota a few times in the pod. I've talked about Andy Dalton several times, and the other guy that's kind of trending up, and I'm starting to nab more of him uh, for me, is Matthew Stafford. I... um just looking at starting to look at his splits some more. Uh, you look at how he's played under Jim Bob Cooter, who still has the greatest name in the NFL. 
Uh, he's completed uh, in 26 games since Cooter took over. He's completed 20, uh, 66% of his passes for 267 yards, 1.69 touchdowns, and 0.54 interceptions. That's 18.3 fantasy points per game. And that's right. That finishes right in the middle of the QB1 ranks. And he goes, uh, I don't know, QB14, 15 off the board uh, typically. So uh, that's one thing if you're just looking, okay, his splits are pretty good over the last two seasons with this with this particular quarterback but he's you know he's finished in the top 10 in four of the last five seasons um no five of the last six seasons so that kind of consistency you know drafting a guy 14 figuring he's got a good chance to to finish in the top 10 despite all the talent at the at the quarterback position that's that's good value there in the 10th 11th round from matthew stafford to philip rivers last season he was ranked 10th in preseason. It looks like he finished for right around the 14th range. Do you think he improves on that, or that's kind of where Phillip Rivers winds up again this year? Yeah, he's sort of my fallback plan, him and Dalton. Uh, if, if Stafford's not available where I want him, uh, sometimes I'll be mixing it up here in these MFL 10s so I don't have a 1,000 shares of one guy. Uh, but Rivers, he's finished in the top 12 four straight years, uh, eight of the last nine years, so another – you know, really consistent uh, fantasy uh, quarterback for you. He's going 15th off the board. So you're getting a little bit of equity there, you would think. Uh, he With Keenan Allen, he's been really good. In 23 games uh, with Keenan, he's averaged 289 yards with 68.6% completion rate, 2.0 touch, touchdowns. That's another 18.3 fantasy points per game, just like Stafford. Uh, equates to number seven quarterback numbers in 2016. Uh, Keenan Allen, you have Tyrell Williams with a big catch radius. I like him a lot. Uh, Hunter Henry, Antonio Gates, uh, uh, at the tight end position. Uh, they have more receivers than that. Uh, Travis Benjamin, uh, Dontrell Inman, and of course, Mike Williams, if, uh, the, the first round pick, if he can get healthy, uh, he might have one of his best receiving cores, if not the best receiving core that he's ever had. Uh, his his early se- uh, season schedule is a little bit tough with Denver, Miami, uh, KC, Philly, and New York Giants. So I, I like Rivers as part of a committee if you want to grab Stafford and Rivers or Dalton and Rivers, uh, Roethlisberger and Rivers, uh, something like that, uh, and sort of play the play the uh, best matchup. Uh, the quarterbacks are so cheap. These guys are all going 10th, 11th, 12th round. Um, you can grab two of them and, uh, and, and make a pretty good committee and it won't cost you much. One more quarterback that we'll talk about before we move on to running backs, John. You list Carson Palmer. My question for you, and we're talking about sleepers and we're talking about value plays, but with Carson Palmer, do you think that he's he's going to give you more games where he's 2015, back end of 2016 Palmer, or the guy that quarterbacked the Cardinals for, through the first 10 weeks last year where – he was atrocious. Not atrocious. That's not fair. But he 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 was he was he played poorly. Uh, Chris Raybon was on our bonus pod, and he talked about the the vertical system that Bruce Arians runs and how that's more of a. He thinks that Palmer's down games were more variance related to that than really uh, a problem with his age or anything. But Bruce Arians said that uh, that that Palmer was dealing with a tired arm. Uh, for the first half of the season or so. And they, they got into a practice schedule where he wasn't practicing a whole lot during the week, but he was playing pretty well on Sunday and uh, things were looking better. He averaged 2.0 touchdowns in the final nine games. Uh, he was the number 10 quarterback uh, from week eight on. 
And, you know, those, if you, if you just take those splits, it's a 4,500 yard, 32 touchdown season. So that looked like the 2015 Parson Palmer that I was targeting in every 12th or 13th round uh, of every draft that year, pretty much. And uh, it paid off. It paid off well. And the nice thing about Palmer is that they figured out this tired arm thing. And then you look at his opening schedule, Detroit, Indianapolis, Dallas, and San Francisco. So if you're looking to stream or if you're looking to uh, maybe do a committee, Palmer's a great guy to grab. You can wait a really long time uh, since he's, you know, going off the board. Um, number 19, he's going off the board with pick 135. So uh, he's real cheap on draft day. Let's move on to some sleepers and value plays at the running back position. Ty Montgomery really emerged last year for the Packers, gave gave the Pack a, a decent running game with Eddie Lacy out. He was overweight, got got injury prone. Uh, or not injury prone, he was, he was injury prone, he got injured. With Ty Montgomery, he finished, I think he was RB38 last year. With him being the starter, what do you think his upside is? Well, he sort of finished i mean that didn't sound real impressive where he finished but he was he took over as a starter mid-season um in week week six he, he sort of took over he averaged 73 total yards and 0.27 touchdowns uh not including the playoffs uh so that's 13.0 points per game in ppr formats 9.0 in standard uh he had two healthy playoff games he gained a combined 149 yards and found the end zone twice uh he does have a tendency or he did have a tendency to get dinged up. He was dinged up in camp a little bit, but he has uh, bulked up this off season in an anticipation uh, that he's going to be a running back instead of a receiver. And he's, he's a player that Joe Holko really liked in his rushing expectation series. Uh, he said he's built like a feature back. Uh, he has rare receiving ability uh, with elite vision in the open field. And uh, you know, Holko was really impressed with how, uh, how, how naturally he, he went from receiver to, to running back. And as you know, watching him play, uh, as a Packer fan, watching him play just about every Sunday, uh, I was impressed with that as well. I mean, you, you really couldn't tell that he was a receiver other than the fact that he was wearing a, a number in the eighties. And, um, I think I'm a little bit wary about the, the durability with him. Um, but I don't know that they're ever going to give him 20, 25 carries to where you really, uh, have to be, you know, worry about him wearing down and getting hurt that way. Um, might be more of a freak thing with him. Um, and then the other issue is, is pass protection. So will he be on the field in third downs? Cause a lot of times they were using, uh, Rukowski, uh, as their third down back because they couldn't trust Montgomery and pass protection. He's been working really hard on it. Uh, but that might be a, an issue for him to get on the field in third down. But I think this offense is so productive. Uh, that if you're getting the starting running back uh, in the fourth or fifth round, I think that's a that's a good that's a good deal. I really like that you listed Doug Martin among your value plays, even though he's got the four game suspension. I think you know when when Doug Martin is uh, not suspended or not injured, this guy is an electric runner. He's quick. Uh, he's got great speed when he gets out into the open field. I, I think Doug Martin is still hands down the Buccaneers' most talented back. And they got Jaquiz Rogers there, Charles Sims there. They drafted Jeremy McNichols. I think the organization, their patience might be running thin with Doug Martin, obviously. But look, when he plays, he's he's excellent. So talk to us about Doug Martin and kind of your thoughts when it comes to drafting him. Have you been watching the the Hard Knocks with the Bucks? Uh, I've I've seen a little bit, mostly Jameis Winston stuff. I haven't seen a lot of okay. Doug Martin. So this last episode, I haven't finished the last episode, but part of it. Uh, they were talking about Doug Martin, and he had his good game. I guess it was up at Jacksonville. 
uh, the preseason game and he looked like the Doug Martin of old. Uh, and then you, they did a little bit of interviewing with him and he was talking about how he, um, but by the way, he's only suspended for the first three games, not the first four games. Oh, so that's sorry. A yeah. Bit of a bonus. Oh, I meant yeah, no he's worries. coming back for week four. Thank you. You clarified yeah. that. Um, so they talked to them about what was going on and he basically said he needs, I don't, you know, I don't know the details on this, but he needs some help and went and got the help that he needed. It sounds like he, you know, quit something. So, um, that I like these stories, these off season stories where guys are have figured out that, you know, whatever they're doing, uh, is costing them productive productivity. It's costing them their career. And they, they like, just like Austin Safarian Jenkins, who, uh, appears to have cleaned up his life and is, is trending upward with the jets. Uh, it does appear that Doug Martin is doing the same thing. And, you know, in OTAs, they were raving about him. Uh, they didn't talk much about him on the show until this, this week. And, uh, you know, showing him in practice. And then obviously he had the, he had the really good game and looked, uh, looked really good. And I like guys like this seventh, sixth, seventh round who have already finished in the top five. I mean, and they're, he's not old. I mean, he's still, still pretty much a young buck, uh, youngish for a, for a running back. Uh, he's, he's a proven player. He had a bad year last year, but, uh, can he bounce back? Is the question. Um, I think this is, very, a very interesting situation, situation because I think Doug Martin, Martin were not suspended, not suspended probably, probably going in the fourth, the fourth, fourth or fifth round. round. Um, um, maybe, maybe, you know, pushing you know, push third, third, if he's looking really good, really good, or maybe even starters, you know, right now there's uncertainty. The way they're talking about the running back situation is they're trying to keep Martin hungry, hungry. And that's why there's this sort of cloud hanging over his ADP. I like taking Martin and then trying to get Rodgers in the 11th round or so and then you've got your running back two pretty much locked up and I think um, you know Rodgers will give you good numbers for the first three weeks and I think Martin will probably come back and, and end up being the starter maybe that week four is kind of a fuzzy workload situation but I think by the end of week four we'll know uh, whether or not they're going to hand the keys to, to Martin and and based what on what we're seeing in the preseason it looks like he he probably deserves it one more player let's talk about Terrence West, we discussed Danny Woodhead's injury situation a little bit earlier on. We also mentioned that Kenneth Dixon, he's out for the year after having knee surgery. When you look at Terrence West, he's not necessarily a dynamic talent, but you got to love the situation in Baltimore with Woodhead in that pass-catching role, yet again, dealing with injuries, and with Dixon out. The situation's really good for, for West. Yeah, West is going in the late eighth round in MFL 10 uh, which are PPR formats. And, you know, maybe he's, I think in some of these other leagues over at Yahoo or at ESPN, uh, CBS, I'm not sure of his ADP there. I think that he probably would not be a high pick. And I would think that the MFL 10 uh, is probably sharper in terms of its ADP than, than some of these mock drafts going on over the, at those sites. So if you're drafting over there in a home league, you'll probably get West in the ninth, uh, 10th, 11th round without much problem because people just, don't think much of him, even though he he did finish in the top twenty five, I think, last year, um, in basically the same role. So we've got West and Woodhead. Uh, Woodhead, we know, is going to take a lot of the passing game stuff. He'll probably get about a hundred carries or so. And I think everything, almost everything else, is going to go to West. And and the and the Ravens have talked multiple times this offseason that they do not want to be leading the the league in pass attempts uh, like they have the last two seasons. So uh, they. You know, they, they're, they're going to a more run heavy attack, uh, or they want to anyway. And that should, you know, equal a little bit more work for West. And, and with Kenneth Dixon out of the way, 
uh, you know, West probably should be going about a round or two earlier, uh, maybe in the seventh, um, given the, given the touchdown upside there in that offense, because if things go to plan, he, you know, he could see, you know, 250 to 300 touches total if, if everything goes to plan. John, great stuff as always. You can follow John on Twitter at 444 underscore John. You can follow me as well at Anthony Stalter. This completes the 11th podcast in 2017 for the Most Accurate Podcast. We'll be back again next week, and before you know it, it'll, it'll be week one, and we'll be doing two podcasts a week like we've done in the past. But that's all we have for today. Enjoy the rest of your day. Enjoy your weekend. We'll see you again next week.